Oh, good morning. Good to see all your smiling faces and welcome to those that are on Zoom or watching online. Warm, warm welcome to you as well. Good to have you with us. How many have ever seen a Hallmark movie or something like it? Okay, so, so, so here it is. One of the main characters, because there's always two, right? Uh, one of the main characters is following their dream. They are off to, to make their fortune and, and do what they, you know, just their goals and all that. And then something happens that brings them back to their hometown. And the boy they left in high school or the girl they left in high school or whatever who's still there and, and, and suddenly single or still single or whatever. And they get back together and suddenly they realize that in all the searching for this, that, and the other thing, what they really wanted was under their nose all the time, and they kiss, and it starts snowing, and that's the end, right? <laughs> Sorry, I've just spoiled every Hallmark movie for you. Um, but it can be like that, right? Uh, it, even in real life, we get, we get fixated on something, and, and we go off, and, and sometimes we miss the good things that are right under our nose. And to me, that's one of the stories uh, of this Palm Sunday. Turn over to Mark 11. Uh, Kate graciously uh, went through Matthew this morning. We're going to take it from Mark's point of view. Very, very, very similar. Mark chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go to the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And he brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Father, once again, we ask that you would just make your word real to our hearts and lives. Lord, give us understanding. Open our eyes, Lord, to truth. and Be glorified this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to really understand what's happening here uh, in this scene, we have to understand the mindset of the Jewish people at the time. Kate touched on it this morning in the kids' message. Uh, let me also give you a little bit of history. Uh, there was a time in Israel when uh, the, the, the kingdom was, was all one together under Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 4, uh, verse 20 says this, Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. You know, huge population of people. They ate and drank and were happy. Okay? Uh, what, there, there's the commentary. But all the people, there was such... It's, it's the American dream happening, right? They ate and drank and were happy. Solomon ruled all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. 
They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Uh, go to verse 24. For he, Solomon, had dominion over all the region west of the Euphrates, from Tipsa to Gaza, all over the kings west of the Euphrates, and he had peace on all sides around him. And Judah and Israel lived in safety from Dan even to Beersheba, every man under his vine and under his fig tree. Again, there's a, there's a car in every garage, right? Every, everybody's doing well. All the days of Solomon. Okay, so if you can think of this huge kingdom, Solomon's ruling over it all. There is peace and safety on all sides, no wars, no nothing. Everybody had two cars in a garage, and everybody was happy, and, and everything was great. Uh, that's, that's, that's the golden age of Israel, if you will, under King Solomon. Then the Bible says that uh, Solomon's many foreign wives... Uh, who worshipped other gods, turned Solomon's heart away from the Lord. And uh, though he did come back in the end, thankfully, um, his line of succession didn't do very well at all. And ultimately, uh, Israel and Judah split. There was a divided kingdom. They were both unfaithful to God. Uh, both started worshipping other gods and that kind of thing. And finally, God says, that's enough. I've warned you and warned you and warned you and sent you prophets and all this kind of thing. You're not listening to me. Um, case closed. And uh, they, along with much of the known world, was conquered by Babylon in 597 B.C., who was in turn conquered by Persia. Uh, then Alexander VIII conquered the Persians. I'm giving you the highlights here. And when he died, his kingdom, uh, as was prophesied by Daniel, was split four ways uh, under his generals, one of which was Seleucus, who controlled that area of Judea and Israel. Seleucus, uh, in his pride, defiled the temple of God, which was a big no-no, um, which led to a revolt by a priestly family known as the Maccabees, uh, you'll find that in the, uh, uh, the Bible Apocrypha that we don't uh, take as canon, as scripture, but there's some, some historical stuff in there, which is pretty cool. Um, and the Maccabees, against all odds, against all odds, defeated the Seleucid army and gained Israel's independence. That victory and the cleansing and rededication of the temple is celebrated each year by the holiday known as... Hanukkah. Now you know the rest of the story. So this independence in Israel lasted about 80 years until another empire came along, which was Rome. Okay. Um, during all of these foreign occupations, there were prophecies that held out hope to the Jewish people. Prophecies that one day another king from David's line would come set them free, rescue them from all their oppressors, give them peace on every side. He was coming one day. So whatever they had to put up with here and there, they had that hope. Someday he's coming, right? Not only um, to restore Israel uh, to its former glory, but you get a sense in these prophecies that it's the lasting kingdom, right? Nobody else is ever going to take it away from them again. They can't wait. Let's look at a couple of these prophecies. First of all, Jeremiah 23, 
beginning verse 5, says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all of these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Okay, these are the prophecies, some of them, which gave Israel that sense of hope. Now, Rome really did uh, allow a whole lot of freedom uh, for the Jews, religiously speaking, uh, just to keep, keep them quiet and, uh, and peaceful, uh, but not complete independence. Uh, they taxed them very heavily. Uh, they appointed kings over them, like Herod. You know what he did. Um, their soldiers were stationed everywhere to maintain control. I mean, it, if you think about it, you know, what would it be like if, uh, if we would have lost World War II and we had German soldiers, you know, stationed all over the country and they were, uh, that, would, that would start to wear on you after a while, wouldn't it? Um, so they were everywhere to prevent even the slightest hint of uprising. Uh, soldiers, many of whom counted the Jews no better than dogs and would use that kind of verbiage and put them down and, hey, you, carry this for me while I'm on a horse and you're, and you're walking, you know, stuff like that. So the Jews, it was wearing on them. They were looking. They were crying out. They were, they were hoping for this king to arise and set them free, um, this conquering leader. And, and along with those prophecies which elicit visions of a great military leader coming in on a white horse, right? Um, there was a different prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Okay, so here's a twist. No, he's not coming in on a white horse. He's going to be coming in on a donkey. And now here comes Jesus, right? In obvious fulfillment of that prophecy, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. The crowd who was there for Passover had either heard him speak or heard of him and his teachings and his miracles, he, in, in, including the fact that he had just recently raised Lazarus from the dead who'd been dead for four days in the tomb, right? And many believed him to be the one, the deliverer, right, that would set them free, the king who would come. And so as he's riding in, they threw their cloaks down. Not only, you know, to kind of give him a, a, a nice road, but in those days, the cloak represented who I am, and I'm putting that at his feet. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you are my king. I'm serving you, right? Walk over my, my, my coat here. And so they're, they're throwing them down in the palm branches, 
And, and Mark 11.9 uh, in our text, they shout, okay, right? Didn't Zechariah said, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. They're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. It's now, it's happening, right? Jesus has come. He's the one. We're waiting for him any time to give the signal, and there's going to be an uprising, and we're going to take control of everything. Yeah! I mean, can you imagine the excitement, the fervor, Right, that's going on. But though they rightly recognized and believed that he was indeed the one, they did what they didn't understand was the bigger picture. The picture which Jesus explained to Pontius Pilate in John 18, verse 36. Jesus said to him, My kingdom is not of this world. In fact, Jesus often talked about his kingdom uh, during his three years plus on earth, the kingdom of heaven and how to enter it, right? But those words were lost to a people who were looking for something different, waiting for something different, expecting something different, looking for an end to Roman occupation and a return to the glory days because they were so set on that they missed what was really going on among them. Because they were looking for someone to conquer Rome, they didn't see the one who would conquer sin and death and set them free on the inside. Because they looked only for an earthly kingdom, they missed out, most of them, on the spiritual kingdom. And you know what? You and I can do the same thing can't we? We can be so set on waiting and wanting and, and pursuing one direction that we can miss the things that are right under our nose. For example, uh, some of us think that Jesus came to start a religion, right? And a bunch of rules. And we miss the fact that he came to, rec to reconcile us personally in a personal relationship with a loving Heavenly Father. Others think that He came to make a way for us to go to heaven someday, and that's what it's all about, going to heaven. And likewise, miss out on that relationship that is day by day by day, a relationship that gives us peace and hope and joy and strength in the difficult times, a God who is there for us now. Right? Others of us have our, sets, our sights set on a kingdom to come. Uh, when the nonsense of this world that we're seeing all around us will be over. And we miss the fact that Jesus' kingdom is already here. We pray the Lord's Prayer. This came up on uh, uh, Wednesday morning Bible study. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Right? What are we saying? Lord, put an end to all this. Bring your kingdom and... and right. Just take us out of this mess that we're in. Jesus, come back and establish your final kingdom that we read about in Revelation where there's no more sin or darkness or pain or death or any nonsense, right? And yes, one day He will. But let me tell you some truth this morning. The kingdom of God is both right now and not yet. The kingdom 
is both right now and not yet. What do I mean by that? Think about when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two in Matthew chapter 10. He said this, beginning of verse 7. He said, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does at hand mean? It means it's here, now, right? What was the evidence of that kingdom? It was citizens of that kingdom operating in the power of that kingdom under the authority of the king of that kingdom. You with me? Citizens of that kingdom operating in the power of that kingdom under the authority of the king of that kingdom. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Let's bring it forward here to us. Paul says this, the Holy Spirit through Paul says this, And so from the day we heard, Colossian church, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Watch this now. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has, past tense, delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom, the kingdom of his beloved son. Yes, one day Jesus will come back as we read in Revelation and set up that enduring kingdom on the earth, right? Where death and sin and all that is no more. But his kingdom is also right here, right now. Jesus in his death and resurrection has already set up his spiritual kingdom. And those of us who have believed and received him as Savior and Lord, another word for Lord is King, right? We've entered that kingdom as citizens of that kingdom. Now, it's easy to see the kingdom or the domain of darkness around us, right? All of the evil and immorality and divisiveness that we see just everywhere, right? anger and all of that. But when you and I love our enemies, when we bite our tongue and don't lash out, when we show mercy and forgiveness, when we take our time for me and spend it on someone else in need, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're operating in a different kingdom, aren't we? When we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and bear fruit in every good work that we do in His name, the kingdom of heaven is at hand through you and me. That's the operation of His kingdom. 
in and through us. When we're led by the Holy Spirit, the kingdom advances. When others come to Christ, the kingdom expands. The kingdom of heaven is alive and well on planet earth right now. Amen? So what am I saying in all of this? I don't know. Um, I'm saying, first of all, don't wrongly think that Jesus came to start a religion. No. He came to take your sin and my sin on himself, take the penalty at the cross to wipe that sin away so you and I could come into a personal relationship with God, to know him. To, to have His will revealed in us and to us and walk in that will. Instead of walking in darkness and, and, and for our, in the desires of our own flesh, no, we walk now according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. A personal relationship with Him. And if you haven't received Him as your Savior and King, I want to urge you to do that today. Here, online, and I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. So, so don't think that he came to establish a, a religion and a bunch of rules, and we have to do this, and we have to do that. No, he came to bring two parties together in a life-changing relationship. Number two, don't think about it that it's all about heaven someday. Okay, I'm good. I said the prayer. I'm good. Whew. All right, now we just kind of go along and do whatever until, until we die or until he comes back or whatever, right? No. Mm -mm. No. It's not about that. It's about that relationship, walking in that relationship each and every day, knowing him, growing in that relationship with him, operating as citizens of the kingdom, bringing that kingdom to thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? What are we saying? We're saying, Lord, let, let your goodness and glory and faithfulness and truth and righteousness and all of that, let that come. Let your love reach out to the world and bring more people into the kingdom and let it happen through me. Right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in me, right? As it is in heaven. Your will. Your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Not about someday, it's about now, right? And number three, again, don't be so fixated on the aspect of a future kingdom. Get me out of this mess. Can't take this. Right? Who are we? We're part of a different kingdom, number one. But number two, we're part of the battle. We're part of bringing that kingdom, bringing others into it. We're a part of this thing that's going on now. Advancing His kingdom. Expanding His kingdom as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. One day He will come back. And it will be glory forever and ever and ever and ever. But His kingdom is here. And if you have Christ living in you, 
You are part of that kingdom. To walk in the power of that kingdom, under the authority of the king of that kingdom, to advance it, to expand it. That's our call. Don't don't be thinking way out there someday. Kingdom's now. Amen? And if you've never opened your heart to him, that's the first place to start. Do you know this morning that Jesus Christ came? Why, why did he come as a man? Why did he who was on the throne already reverenced by heaven and angels bowing down before, why did he come, put on a human body, and take on, take on hunger and thirst and rejection and, and the beating and the spitting upon and the crown of thorns and the cat of nine tails and slow, torturous death on a cross. Why would our God do that? To reconcile us to a Father who loves us. And if you haven't been reconciled, yeah, it's not about a religion. It's about knowing Him, coming into that relationship with Him personally. If you have not done that, let's bow. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for coming, that we might know our Creator, and not just as Creator, and not just as Almighty God, but as we prayed this morning, our Father who art in heaven, the one who loves us unconditionally, the one who is there to give us what we desperately need deep in our hearts, that peace in the midst of this broken world, strength, joy. If you haven't opened your heart to him, it's not complicated. Just say, Jesus. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in. So just say this in your heart as I say it out loud. Jesus, I open that door of my heart to you. Would you please come in? I give you all my sin, all my fault, all my failure. I lay it at the foot of your cross. I thank you that you already took that upon yourself and died for me, that I can be cleansed and forgiven. Be my Savior, Jesus. Be my King, Jesus. I'm, th- I'm throwing my cloak, my life, my future at your feet. Show me what it is to know you, to walk with you. Jesus said, if you do that, I will come in. Romans 10 says, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have the Biblical uh, affirmation of truth. Opening that door starts something here and now that will last for eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And maybe, maybe you've just kind of look around the world and just kind of wash your hands of it. Say, Jesus, come. Lord, come back. Lord, just Get us out of here. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. But now today you've seen that you have a mission, a purpose 
in the kingdom of God that is already here. Lord, would you lead us, guide us by your spirit. Empower us, Lord, to do what you would ask of us, whether it's sharing the good news of Jesus with someone else, whether it's praying for someone else, Lord, and seeing your miraculous hand at work as in the disciples. Lead us. Guide us by your spirit, Lord. That your kingdom truly will come. That your will will be done. We thank you for that. Be glorified in and through us, we pray. In your most awesome name.